Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Good evening, dear friends. It's great to have you here with us. Thank you for tuning into Creative Biolabs podcast series. During our last program, we talked about the quality control of dendritic cells and messenger RNA and how necessary they are. Since each vaccine is patient-specific, dendritic cells need to be quality controlled at the end of each vaccine preparation cycle. The quality of messenger RNA determines the actual existence of the protein and therefore determines the antigen presentation or function of the dendritic cells carrying the messenger RNA. We have also discussed some methods for measuring messenger RNA concentration. Today, we are glad to bring David in again to introduce us to the route of administration of messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells. Thanks for joining us today, David. Thanks for having me. To begin, can you give us some methods of administration for messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells? Sure. So dendritic cells can be injected subcutaneously, intradermal, intravenous, lymphatic injection, intranodal injection and intratumor injection. These are the most common routes under normal circumstances. Except for intratumor injection and intranodal injection, all these injection routes have been used in the study of messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells, and they are well-tolerated. That's many different routes. How do you evaluate the best route of administration for dendritic cells? Well, we usually consider two things. One is the ability to directly track the migration of dendritic cells to lymph nodes. And the other is that we need to analyze the immune or clinical response caused by dendritic cells. Is there a way to track dendritic cells' migration in the body? Yeah, a common method to do that is through an 111 labeling, to make the cells radioactive and then image them. And out of all the routes you mentioned before, which one can effectively make dendritic cells migrate to the lymph nodes? Intravenous injection of an 111 labeled messenger RNA loaded dendritic cells mainly accumulate in the lungs and then redistribute to the liver, spleen, and bone marrow but not to any lymph nodes or tumor masses. The dendritic cells injected subcutaneously also did not appear in any regional lymph nodes. Only intradermal injected dendritic cells can migrate to the draining lymph nodes. However, the number is very small compared with the dendritic cells at the injection site. Why do you think is the reason that intravenous and subcutaneous injections cannot effectively migrate to the lymph nodes? Well. So for the subcutaneous injection, the speculation is that the dendritic cells used in that particular study that gave the conclusion were not yet fully mature. In fact, the maturation of dendritic cells has been shown to induce the upregulation of CCR7. CCR7 is expressed in various lymphoid tissues, including B and T lymphocytes and mature dendritic cells. It is one of the necessary components for migration to the lymph nodes. Any other experiments other than this study to verify this possibility? 
Yes. In one study, after injection of dendritic cells from mature tumor lysate, migration appeared after subcutaneous injection. Although it was three times lower than that after intradermal injection. Even after the dendritic cells mature, a large number of dendritic cells injected intracutaneously still remain at the injection site. Although their migration rate is higher than that of immature dendritic cells. In addition, mature dendritic cells are distributed in more lymph nodes. In contrast, immature dendritic cells never migrate to more than one lymph node. Sounds difficult for dendritic cells to migrate to lymph nodes. Is there a way to promote their migration? There have been some attempts to promote the migration of dendritic cells. For example, tumor necrosis factor alpha or toll-like receptors ligand can be used to pretreat the injection site before intradermal injection to promote cell maturation. This will enhance the expression of CCR7 and you know, further promote migration. And what about intravenously injecting these cells? Is there any method to improve this route of administration? Yeah, for intravenous injection, some groups have proposed that coelectroporation of dendritic cells with e-selectin encoding messenger RNA could be a promising strategy. There have been reports that the application of intranodal injections or lymphatic injections seems to circumvent the need to flow from the skin or blood. Can you tell us more about it? Right. We believe that intranodal injection may partially destroy the lymph node structure. However, on average, more than 10% of intranodal injected peptide-loaded dendritic cells migrated to nearby lymph nodes. This is much higher than after intravenous injection. Do you think this has anything to do with the maturation of dendritic cells? Well, originally scientists assumed that this has nothing to do with the maturation of dendritic cells. But mature dendritic cells were found deep in the T-cell area of lymph nodes, while immature dendritic cells remain around the lymph nodes. So yes, for intranodal injection, the maturation of dendritic cells is very important. It sounds to me that lymphatic injection and intranodal injection are perfect for delivering dendritic cells. Isn't it? No, there are some disadvantages associated with these two routes. One of the main disadvantages of both routes is the difficulty of properly managing dendritic cells. Scientists have seen from magnetic resonance imaging that despite ultrasound guidance, only in approximately 50% of the case can an experienced radiologist correctly injects dendritic cells into the lymph nodes. And the incorrectly managed dendritic cell does not show any migration. Do you mean the correct intranodal injection increases the migration of dendritic cells to the lymph nodes? Of course. Combined with the direct tracking data of dendritic cell migration in the human body, the correct intranodal injection will quickly distribute the maximum number of dendritic cells to different lymph nodes. In contrast, intradermal injection causes fewer dendritic cells to reach the lymph nodes. What is the lowest number of dendritic cells that can cause an immune response? Has it been determined? We don't know yet. If low-dose dendritic cells are sufficient, intradermal injection may be advantageous. The required migration is an additional selection step between fully mature and immature dendritic cells. It may lead to a better immune response. So getting back to our topic today, how can we determine the most suitable route of administration? 
It would require us to evaluate the induced immune response and clinical results. There have been two clinical studies conducted with mature messenger RNA electroporated dendritic cells. They are designed to compare the effects of intranodal injection and intradermal injection on induction of immune response and clinical outcome. Oh, interesting. What was the result? In the first study, 3 out of 12 melanoma patients who were vaccinated in the inguinal lymph nodes responded. 7 of the 10 patients who were vaccinated intracutaneously in the area draining to these lymph nodes developed a response. In the second study, they collected information on 19 prostate cancer patients who had completed for vaccinations. Four of the 10 patients who received intranodal injections developed an immune response, and eight of the nine patients who received intradermal injection developed an immune response. Six out of nine intradermal injection patients were in stable condition, and only five out of 10 intranodal injection patients were in stable condition. So, what can we tell from these numbers? According to the direct imaging of dendritic cells migration in the human body, the migration rate after intranodal injection is higher. The results of these two studies are unexpected. Unfortunately, the success of intranodal injections is measured as an increase in the width of the cortex or paracortical area through ultrasound. This does not provide enough detailed anatomical information to verify correct performance. In addition, the dendritic cells used for intranodal injection in the two studies expressed less CD83, which may affect the immune response rate. Do you mean it is not possible to draw a clear conclusion about the best injection route between intranodal injection and intradermal injection from these two studies? Right. And this once again shows the importance of quality control in each step of vaccination. I read that the location of the tumor affected by the immune response also varies depending on the route of administration. Is there any explanation for this? Well, we can look at the experiment from which they drew this conclusion. In the study using the mice model, intravenous and subcutaneous vaccines are preferentially used for visceral and non-visceral metastases, respectively. The nature of the immune response is also affected. Compared with intravenous injection, Intradermal or lymphatic injection of polypeptide-loaded dendritic cells induced a higher frequency of helper T-cell-1 immunity. The route of intravenous injection is associated with significantly higher AG-specific antibody titers. Therefore, when a helper T-cell-1 response is required, is the intradermal injection more beneficial? That is possible. Because compared with lymph injection, intradermal injection is simpler but it may be more beneficial to combine different routes of administration and even injection sites. What do you mean the combination is more beneficial? How? Several RNA-loaded dendritic cell studies combine different injection sites. In all these studies, the dose of intradermal injection was lower than that of intravenous injection. But like we mentioned before, the minimum number of dendritic cells required to stimulate T-cells has not yet been determined. Based on the difficulty of lymphatic injection and intranodal injection, as well as the poor migration and immune response obtained after subcutaneous injection, the dendritic cells vaccination regimen of patients in clinical studies has been adjusted many times. So you know, some have suggested combining the intravenous injection on top of these routes to reduce the difficulty and more importantly, 
increase the immune response and efficacy. In today's episode, we learned that scientists are still trying to decide the best route of administration of messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells. But with the continuous efforts of researchers, we will find out soon. That would be it for today. Thanks David, for sharing your expertise with us. Thanks everyone for listening. We will be back next week.